Welcome to the Angler Podcast. This is Sean McNulty from the Wake Up Newsletter here on Thursday, September 14th with uh, an interview podcast. I'm joined by uh, Alex Sherman from CNBC. Alex, good to see you again. Thanks, Sean. Happy to be here. Uh, Alex is, of course, here to give us all of his expert NFL Week 2 picks uh, kicking off tonight on Amazon. You know, Richard's been asking me, make sure you get Alex's picks on the NFL tonight. So, you know. Sher- Sherman's lock of the week. <laughs> yeah, no, don't, don't come to me for betting advice you're, you're taking the Niners which shouldn't be a I'll problem. take the Niners like like I do every week so yeah that's the that's my advice uh we're gonna hear to, to talk about the company that had the the big game of week one uh that would be Disney um as this crowd probably knows Alex wrote a rather fortuitously timed and a very detailed read on uh Iger Chapek and Disney looking at all things uh succession to firing to hiring uh going way back there into the, the 2010s there where uh, business is today for Disney, as well as uh, TV, Hulu's on the horizon. Uh, with streaming is, you know, going through some changes there. So a lot to discuss there in terms of where he goes next and what's what's on the docket here. And obviously, Succession is still on there, but where does that fall in the on on the list? I guess at this point, given he's staying around till until twenty twenty six. I do have my first question as I. Has anybody heard from Bob Chapek uh, since he left? I've not heard. Like, what is he doing? Do you have any idea? Uh, I think he's uh, enjoying his uh, severance package. Uh, right. Plotting his next moves. Um, I My understanding is he would like to get back into the business world probably. Uh, I kind of doubt he'll be like a big media CEO just based on what happened. I mean, you never know, I suppose. True. But, you know, he's 64 years old. So he certainly, if he wants to, um, uh, is not like too old to be a CEO again of a company. I, I, you know, I don't think he needs to get back into it for the money. Uh, right, right. So I think it would just be from an interest standpoint. But yeah, it's not. I, 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 I can pretty safely tell you he's not like doing anything actively right now. Yeah, no, I've not heard of one word about that. And it's I'm actually kind of curious about what. Iger's inner circle is right right now because Christine McCarthy is also, I mean, essentially out of you know out of the company or out of that out of that role as CFO. Certainly, um, he's brought back in you know Stags and and Kevin uh, and Xenia left, and she's now a tick. You know, so his core from the Iger 1.0 era is there's not a lot of people there. You know, Peter Rice is is gone. I mean, you know, and so what is? Do you have any sense of that inner circle at this point, or what's going on? I'll add more. I mean, oh, yeah. from my understand, Bob Iger's inner circle for many years was Kevin Mayer is not the company anymore. Tom Stagg's not at the company anymore. Uh, Zenia Muko, you mentioned, not at the company anymore, was the head of comms. Right. Uh, Alan Braverman, who was the general counsel, not there anymore. Right. Alan Horn, who was the you know chief content officer, not there anymore. So that's like, that's the core. And none of them are there. I mean, that, <laughs> right. that, that is... A lot of people have wondered sort of why Iger 2.0 and, you know, he goes out and he says, ah, we're thinking about selling Hulu, maybe everything's on the table. And then, you know, a little just like weeks or months later, he's like, yeah, actually, no, like we'll keep Hulu. And then he's like, we're going to do the strategic partnership with ESPN. And, you know, then yeah, I kind of do reporting around that. And it's like, yeah, it seems kind of early and half-baked and like, I don't really know. And, you know, it's like maybe we'll sell ABC or, you know, right. like, non-core assets on CNBC interviews. Yeah. The whole communication about him, many people have said, like, seems un-Iger-like, you know, it just seems 
too kind of throwing stuff out there, and that's not the way he usually runs. And uh, and and most of the people that uh, that say this follow it up by, you know, his inner circle that kind of used to provide him with strategic advice just isn't there anymore. And I do think it's one of the reasons why he re-engaged with Kevin Mayer and Tom Staggs and said, hey, can you help me out and figure out what to do with ESPN and the linear networks here? Because I used to rely on you and then all <laughs> these other people that I used to rely on are not here anymore. So I've got to bring back in some of the people that I trust and that have given me good sound advice in the past uh, because it's not like those people had a ready bench. It kind of speaks to the succession issue right, again. Like, right. Not only did Bob Iger not have like a, a ready-made CEO in the works, but he may not have had bench players for all of his inner circle to just step up. So, you know, now I think the, the inner circle is kind of the heir apparent, you know, plural that may be his heir apparent for CEO. I'm talking about Dana Walden and Alan Bergman who run the content and uh, Josh Tomorrow who runs the parks and he does have a and, and Jimmy Pataro who runs ESPN. Those four people are sort of seen as, I would say, you know, uh, uh, the A-list likely candidates for uh, taking over the job. And certainly there's a layer below that of people that have been there that are close to Iger, Sean Bailey and, you know, Kevin Feige and Kathleen Kennedy and, uh, and Christina Shockey, who's the new comms person, and Horatio Gutierrez, who actually was hired by Bob Chapek, as was Christina. Those are not Iger people, but they're still in the jobs. Um, and they have now become, I think, part of the new Bob Iger inner circle. But yeah, there's no doubt that the old crew there that Iger relied on is almost all gone. Yeah, yeah. And he hasn't really brought in anybody. I mean, outside of Mayor and Staggs, that was, you know, the only additions he's made. In, I mean, granted, it's only been, you know, nine, ten months, but... There's an interim CFO right now, but, like, that's brand new, so... Right. So, uh, yeah, it, it definitely adds to the the narrative here, I think, of what we're trying to interpret this, of, you know, that is a little disorienting. It's not like he, he didn't come back to the world that he had lived in before, which as anybody who's ever had a job and comes back and you're like... I don't know anybody here. You know, these aren't the people I was with for so long that I built this thing with. But um, uh, I mean, the story is fantastic. If you haven't checked that out, 11,000 words, Alex, is that, uh, was that I, th- I think it was 12,090. Okay. <laughs> Where does that rank versus the Atlantic CNN story? I was trying to say, is this, is this the deepest dive of, of media 2023? I, I think that one was bigger. I want to say, I'm pretty sure that one was a few thousand words more. <laughs> um, but you go into a lot of detail, a lot of great anecdotes. And, you know, look, I mean, when Chapek well, was fired, essentially, in, in November, you know, a lot of stories and anecdotes came out in November, December, which, you know, you're probably just as well read or heard as much as, as I did, if not even more so. So putting this together, you know, which really, really dives into really more the timeline and really more the minutiae, what surprised you? What didn't you know that you're like, oh, I this was not something I was aware of or, you know, give me your, your kind of walk through me, what putting this piece together, what really stood out look, and for you looking back on it now? Absolutely. So the genesis of this piece for me was when Bob Chapek was fired in late November, 2022, I thought to myself that this, the whole, the story doesn't quite add up to me. Like the reporting at the time was that Disney had this, really bad fiscal fourth quarter. And then, you know, Christine McCarthy, who was CFO, kind of turned on him and lost confidence in him. And then, you know, there had been other incidents with JPEG that were very widely known, the don't say gay and and how he handled Scarlett Johansson and 
right. you know, mo- moving the employees back and forth from Florida to California. Like there were a few incidents along the way there. And so you 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 take those incidents and then the board was never all that, you know, strong on him to begin with. And you you add up this bad quarter and then that led to being fired. But I thought to myself, well, the board just renewed him in June right. to fire him four months later, whatever that is, five months later, after one bad quarter, after the quarter before that was great, actually. Mm. And Disney stock soared just one quarter before that. To fire him based on bad results of one quarter, when, by the way, in that call, Disney said, this is going to be the worst of it. We expect the, our, you know, this is going to be peak losses for streaming. And they had always said that the timeline was that they were going to lose money in 2022 and that break even wouldn't happen until 2024. Which is still the case, which is still the narrative. So, yeah, the numbers were bad and significantly worse than the street estimated. And the shares went down 13 percent. But to fire someone based on that, it just didn't add up. to me. It's like there's got to be more here. And so the thing that I didn't know that I don't think anybody knew publicly was there was basically a coup d'etat that happened. Like that all of the senior leadership in the end kind of turns on Bob Chapek, including people that, as I had mentioned a few minutes ago, like Christina Shockey, is head of comms at Horatio Gutierrez, the general counsel. These people were not Bob Iger loyalists. These were people that Bob Chapek had hired. But even they expressed to the board like this guy's not listening. We 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 just had we don't have faith in him anymore as a leader. And so did Dana Walden, and so did Alan Bergman, and so did Josh Damaro, who was actually kind of part of Bob Chapek's inner circle, like Christine McCarthy, which was sort of known at that point. But right. it's just like one after another after another. All of these people saying, you know what? Like, yeah, this isn't working. So that was the thing that I thought was like, oh, that's why he was fired. It yeah. wasn't that it was one bad quarter. It was that he had lost the confidence of all of the senior leadership. So at that point, the board had to make it. Yeah, you can't keep the leader. If you have no, a voter no confidence across the board, that's a tough one to say, well, let's just keep it, you know, and see what happens kind of thing at that point. I mean, uh, I guess it was more the the dramatic quickness of it maybe was just like, you know, this that all the things you just mentioned don't happen overnight. Like no confidence isn't just like, oh, two weeks ago he was doing great. And now we have no confidence. Like, it's just odd that it like came into play and they hadn't, the answer was call Bob Iger. It wasn't like, you know, like it didn't seem like that. I think is what's still shocking about Alex. Everything you said is true, but it's like, and this was the way that it went down. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and, and like, I think there's no doubt that it was shocking, including shocking to Bob Iger, I think, <laughs> who, right. who, who, even if he was I- I- inside his soul, pining for the job of CEO back, which may or may not be the case, depending on kind of who and what you believe. Uh, I think there's no doubt that he didn't think this was going to happen because when the when the new CEO's contract is renewed, even if the board was split on him, the idea that he would be fired so quickly after that, that has to be surprising to everyone involved. You know, certainly surprising to Bob Chapek, has to be surprising to Bob Iger, and, and and yeah, there was a contingent of Disney employees who were consistently frustrated by Bob Chapek. But the the November, what happens in that November earnings call is basically the catalyst that allows the board to start soliciting all of this advice, being like, 
yeah, we've heard your complaints about the reorganization and don't say gay and Scarlett Johansson, other things through the years. But like, let's actually go to all of these people individually and really ask them point blank if they think this guy should still be the CEO. And when they get such a response like that, uh, when you add that on to the what I wrote about how Christine McCarthy kind of publicly blindsides him in this September board meeting, where now the board is like, oh, the CFO and the CEO are not on the same page. Right. Plus, all these other senior leaders are saying this guy's not the right guy for the job. Like that is the concoction that leads to why he was fired and why they kind of have to turn to Bob Iger at that point, because he's the obvious person to run Disney. Yeah, and he said yes. So if you know if he had said no, I mean, who knows what would I? That, right, that, but I think it was been. fairly clear. He I was clear, clearly say yes. there was some conversations yeah. being had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as you mentioned in the piece, which I didn't really, I mean, it makes sense, but realize that Iger basically installed everybody who's on that board. Yes, he, I mean, he was the CEO for every one of those people, so he knows everybody there very, very well. There's nobody, you know, it's a very unique situation, and I think, yeah, I, to I my think, knowledge, you know, you know, Carolyn Everson was added late. I guess so. Chapek was CEO, but he was still uh, like there at that point, or you know, around Disney. So yeah, he basically handpicked the entire board, um, and 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 had close personal relationships with several people on the board, including the person who was elevated to lead director, Mark Parker, uh, at that point when when Susan Arnold retired, uh, which was in the beginning of 2023. So uh, Iger, once again, now is running Disney with a board that he's very close to. Yeah. There's also one thing about his Iger's departure, which when he left or he made the announcement in February 2020, that was out of nowhere. I mean, Kevin Mayer famously said, like, I didn't even really have a heads up at the time. Like, you know, this wasn't the first snap kind of CEO decision announcement. Right. I mean, that still feel that whole thing that went down still feels like a lot of like just looks weird. Like that's suspect, whatever, but still feels like a weird thing that happened. When that initial, his initial, I'm saying farewell happened, right? Yeah. I had a little bit more of the story initially, actually, about why that may have happened when it did. Um, I don't have like a really firm answer. So there's definitely still some speculation about like, oh, did he know COVID was going to well, be right, really bad? The COVID That's theory. Why he yeah. Left, you know? yeah. Um, uh, and certainly there are some that think that, no question. Um, including yeah. some people in Bob Chapek's camp that are like, oh, he knew, you know, he has close relationships with Democratic congressmen. Like, but and I didn't put that in the story because I don't know. There's no corroborating evidence. It's yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, but what I what I do know is true uh, that didn't make the story, but I'll say it on the podcast, is that uh, Iger had gotten tired of all of the attention on his compensation. Uh, if you, you can go back and look, uh, investors had once rejected his comp package. I want to say maybe 2018. Uh, it almost rejected it again in 2019. They were starting to look at the compensation committee on the board. Huh. Uh, and meanwhile, Iger was like, privately, was like, <laughs> I'm underpaid. Like, look at Les Moonves and David Zaslav, like on a relative basis. <laughs> right. They get paid way more than me, and they run these piddly little media companies. Right. They, don't they, don't have, they don't have theme parks to run. Yeah, so exactly. why, why am I taking all the shots here? Like, go after those people. Of course, the difference there. <laughs> Is that CBS is a closed, you know, it is, is a majority owned company by the Redstones. Right. Uh, and Discovery, where where Zaslav was at the time, is it would have John Malone as a as a right. voting shareholder. So it was a lot easier for those people to get paid those huge sums of money because they had an entity that was sort of deciding it for them. There is no controlling shareholder of Disney. Uh, so that's why it's able to get, you know, more activist threats, which we've uh, and have seen in recent years. 
and also why investments kind of held more power there to vote against a pay package. So I do think that that may have contributed, been a contributing factor where it was like, okay, I'm kind of tired of all this. Let's just put this in motion and yeah. On my comp. And also, I had kicked the can down the road four times on retirement already. Yeah. So, you know, I think Susan Arnold was kind of starting to pester, like, look, we need a succession plan here. Right. And so you add those things, and then you add the fact that, uh, and I do I do say this in the story, which which I can say is true. The fact that they had just launched Disney Plus, that Iger was going to stick around for another 22 months, that he, he thought he had this down. Yeah. He thought he had the right person. He thought he had the right structure. He 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 directly borrowed the structure from Mark Parker on the board, who had just laid it down at Nike uh, with John Donahoe as the CEO, where Parker would bump up to executive chairman. And that structure, by the way, exists today. Like that one worked, <laughs> unlike the JPEG Iger one, which obviously did not work. Yeah, he, you know, all of those things added up. I think is the reason why he decided he was going to set that when he did. Made that moment. Yeah, yeah. What does he take away now, Iger? Is you know he's clearly he's seen the mistakes. He's not doesn't have, doesn't have a blind eye to what went wrong. I don't think he's any any kind of you know rose colored glasses here. There's a reality there, but he's his attempt five now, as you point out, to uh, hand the baton off for we'll keep it on brand to give the final rose here uh, to Alex to somebody. Uh, so it's not job one, but you know by 2025 he sh- needs to have this kind of you know in motion. What lessons do you think? Uh, you know, can he take from the, is he taking from this or can take from this, how this might be different uh, this time, uh, the final, hopefully final time around. So he has told people that one of the major lessons he learned was that he's going to talk to people who directly work for the, whoever the heir apparent is. And from my understanding, he and the board have already started the vetting process. Uh, so, so, so with JPEC, Iger never spoke to people who worked for JPEG. Yeah, that was in your piece. And I, I didn't know that's like baffling to me that, you know. He basically was like, I know this guy. Right. They built uh, Shanghai Disney and we're going to the trips yeah. across. The- yeah, right. And like right. he's been like operationally successful at every stop along the way at the company. I've worked closely with him hand in hand. I don't need to speak to people that work for him. I already know him. Like, I, 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 and I know how he'll work with me. And and then Iger prides himself on kind of that. Was it a emotional intelligence kind of? Absolutely, to- totally. EQ. EQ prides himself on EQ. It, it is is praised throughout the company as a strong collaborator. Right. So I think that just he naturally thought I I I, are, I know how this is going to work. We don't we don't I don't need to do this. He was wrong, and that is his takeaway. Like I'm going to make sure that I vet these people differently. One takeaway that I'm a little surprised has not been a takeaway, though, through my reporting, is that he is not abandoning the idea of sticking around for a while and ushering in a new person. I thought maybe this time around, he he and the board might say, you know what, name your CEO and then go on your yacht and sail away. Uh, because we saw what happened when you stuck around for a while <laughs> right, and, right. and that, that blew up. Yeah. But from my understanding, that is not the plan. What what Iger wants to do is yet again stick around, usher in a new person that he either names COO as he sticks around as CEO, or once again gets elevated to executive chairman and names his person CEO. Uh, and with the thinking that the problem was not the structure. Because again, the Nike plan worked. So there is evidence that this can work. 
but you need to pick the right person and you need to properly vet that person that they know what they're getting into. So this time around, given the backdrop of JPEG, you'll make sure that you know who's really running the company. And maybe you don't have Bob Iger run some nebulous term called creative endeavors, which is what he did the first time around, right. which led to this whole uh, you know vacuum of leadership in the Scarlett Johansson thing. If I were a betting man, I would guess what he's going to do this time is, is stick around as CEO, name someone COO, name that person publicly as the person who's going to be a successor. And then for 20 plus months or whatever, right. uh, uh, teach that person what that person needs to be taught and, and will in fact walk away from the job at the end of 2026. I think that's the Occam's razor explanation. That's the simplest explanation. Of course, many others that I spoke to think he will hang on for dear life. He will hang on until he sells Disney and therefore- Or that, or, or it's the sell, right? It's the sell plan, yep. Right. So those are on the table as options, but they wouldn't be my best guess because I think part of the reason Iger came back to begin with is to right the wrong of succession. He himself is aware that this did not go well. He knows this is a black mark, maybe the only black mark on his record. Uh, although that was wow. prior to Iger 2.0, so maybe there will be new. Or the Fox deal. The Fox deal has a few things on it too, by the way. Yeah, that gets gets forgotten about. Or the Fox deal also. Yes, you're right. Yep. I mean, there, there's an argument he should have never really got into streaming to begin with, or certainly didn't price Disney Plus. And now the value of ESPN has been completely destroyed. And like that sure. was because of his own decision making. So yeah. yeah, as more time goes by, right. more blemishes occur. But at least, at least he can come back and get the succession one right, I think. In his mind, because I do think he felt a lot of guilt about the way this played out, um, because it obviously did not play out the way he thought it was going to. And even if the company is sold, there still will be a leader of Disney within whatever. If it goes, you know, if Apple buys Disney, it's not like Tim Cook's going to be running Disney. Like there's going to no. need to be a head of the company no matter what happens with it. So absolutely, that, you know, so that that you're right. That points me. Oh, it's just going to sell it. I'm like, that's not how the thing you know sales work. Correct. It's, it's not sales. like Tim Cook will become the CEO of Disney too. No. no, there will be someone who is the CEO of Disney inside of Apple. And by the way, as I wrote. I think that Apple thing is probably a pipe dream. Like there's no, people love to speculate about it. Yeah. But Apple is the, the largest deal Apple's ever done is $3 billion for Beats. And if you take anything away from my story, what I would say is that Bob Chapek tried to make bold decisions uh, and kind of change the Disney culture. And he was a Disney employee for 30 years and he could not do it. The Disney culture is thick. And the idea that you could just be like, I know we'll buy Disney and like Apple's culture will take over Disney's culture. Like that seems like a recipe for disaster for me. And Apple, everything in Apple's DNA suggests that they don't work like that and they don't do that. So the idea that they would just buy this huge company, like it, look, I'm not saying it won't happen. I'm right. just saying logic dictates it probably won't. But Iger does love a big transformative deal, Alex. He is a man of uh, transformation. So he that would, does, he yeah. does, but has always been a buyer and a builder true, than a true. seller. Than a seller. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of which, you know, if he is going to do that, paring down TV is job number one here. So what's, you know, what is on as much as succession is important. It's definitely not job one right now. And uh, I believe Chartergate uh, where it was, I think everybody's pretty up to, pretty up to speed on that, but um 
with television, if, if Apple's going to buy it, they do not want to be in the TV business. They don't want to be uh, tied to the linear cable bundles. The last thing that Apple as a company wants to be in. So the streaming numbers, uh, they've set some goals over the years. They're set for profitability within by a year from now, essentially by uh, October, 2024. I'll leave TV to a side for a sec for streaming. Where are we at with Disney and streaming? Do you think? And it was worth noting, by the way, you know, in terms of Chapek, it was his price increases that got Disney to where this is right now. This wasn't an eager decision. Just, just a, yes. like, a small nod to Bob Chapek, I think in a certain sense. And I think Bob Iger has actually been fairly public about that, that he, uh, and, I, and I wrote about it at the time after the first major increase uh, for Disney+, Plus. Iger's strategy was always to keep Disney+, Plus as the low-priced option. Yeah, thinking, exactly. Thinking, look, we only have a limited product here. This is a family-only product. So we can't price this like Netflix. Netflix has everything. This is a, a, a niche product. And we want it to, you know, we want it to delight customers. We want it to be kind of the... The thing that people say, oh, wow, that's a great deal. Then JPEG decided that he was going to jack up prices. Uh, and there was minimal churn. And that was eye-opening to Bob Iger. And he said it. Oh, I, he was he was stunned on that. Yeah. He said it when he came back. He was like, oh, like, I, I can't believe it. I didn't think this was going to happen. <laughs> but like, you know, like, I'll kind of like take the L on that one. Like, I was wrong. And so then he did it again. Because he was like, uh, you know, like, I guess there was way more elasticity here than I expected there to be. Yeah. So that is what has happened. And now Disney Plus is much more than it, than it used to be. And maybe they should have priced it higher to begin with. Um, but subscriber subscriber growth is an issue, really. The next thing, I think, on the horizon, right? Yes. I, I, and by the way, that's, you know, at the time, Disney stock was trading on the subscriber growth. Of course. So of course. price it low, get a lot of subscribers, the stock will rise. And it did. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you know, but they were projecting, uh, what was it, 215 to 245 million subscribers by end of 24, I think was the last right. public number they had out there. And, and what are they at now? It's about 146, 147. So they're, India has fallen. So India is now, you know, 40 million. So that they've taken, taken a, you know, 17 million hit because of cricket, essentially losing cricket. They're nowhere near it. They're 65 million short. And the U.S. has plateaued for Disney Plus. That is going down, has gone down 300,000 the past two quarters. So that number is not going up. Uh, Europe is more or less saturate you know the numbers aren't going up by the the leaps and bounds it used to be so you know an adjustment there is probably going to be in order at some point right honestly i'm surprised they didn't already adjust they kind of yeah, don't understand I, why they haven't already adjusted this there's no way they're going to make those numbers by 2024 so maybe that'll come in the next quarter they'll finally readjust or at least acknowledge even if they don't readjust because they they were giving quarterly guidance for a while on right. forecasting subscribers. And they said publicly, we're going to stop doing that. Yeah, as a lot of people did. As a lot of people did. <clears throat> as a lot of people did. So it's possible maybe Disney just says, forget that. We're, we're not playing that game anymore. The more important metric, I think, is to get to profitability. And they've said that they'll get to profitability at the end of 2024. And I think even that is a question. There's several analysts have now come out with, with you know, saying, eh, it might be 2025. I don't know. Uh, I think with these price hikes he's putting into place, I think he's... That's the game. Un unless he gets a really big hit and subscribe, you know, unexpected hit in, you know, which essentially will be Q4, Q1 uh, after this new price hike goes in, in October, uh, that math will just get you there based on the numbers. And I think he may even beat, you know, their target is, they said, by October 2024, I think he would not love nothing less than to be on the earnings call beginning of august this summer and say hey we hit it in uh q2 not q3 you know and disney just reiterated that they would reach uh break even by 2024 so 
Yeah. Yeah. You you, you kind of think that one's probably in the bag. For that's them. probably in the bag. Yeah. Just from price hikes alone. Not because, but not because of subscriber growth. That's like not an organic. No, because know. of price hikes. The, 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 the unknown there though is what churn will be associated yes. with these price hikes. Not a lot of churn the first time around, as we just said. Right. Maybe that doesn't happen this time around. So you, you, you can't be certain. The American public is in a tricky thing to uh, to gauge. So, and also, you know, the growth of the ad business. Now that they had this charter deal, they're going to get a nice bump in Disney Plus ad tier subscribers. You know, again, in advertising, the more you know, that's a scale business. You have to have people a in in more homes and b more people using it, which is what distribution does for you. So, the, you know, the, the ad business might grow more than what was anticipated before this. I mean, a, an unintentional result of this charter deal may actually be a, a bump for them in that sense. Yeah, for any listeners that don't know, part of the charter deal was that subscribers to a certain uh, large package of charter uh, cable networks will now receive Disney Plus uh, uh, for no added charge, but it's the ad tier for Disney Plus. So there's a wholesale agreement, Disney gets paid, but the consumers will get it as sort of an added benefit where they didn't get it previously. And that will become, I think the template for all pay TV operators when they renew with Disney, that this Disney plus ad here will come with cable. So that's a nice added benefit for consumers. So sort of a win, win, win on that one. I think charter wins, Disney wins and consumers win. Any final thoughts here on the, you know what? I mean, TV is the biggest thing, the bundle Mel. Is that job one? Give me, what do you think Disney's or Iger's priorities are here as we enter, you know, uh, the fall here in 2023. Is that, the you know top of the line here for for disney to figure out yeah i think figuring out what to do with the linear networks is is the number one priority and by the way that might be the number one priority for all media companies like none of them really know what to do with these things it's the same business model yeah it's the same business model all of them are declining by and large um so if disney figures out something you know Mm. if a private equity firm says we'll do it or, you know, whatever the end result is, everybody else will plow in. They'll be like, oh, all right, as long as the market, as long as the market says we like that, you'll see this just across the board. And that'll be sort of the the finally, like the big iteration move that everybody's been waiting for to transition these legacy media companies into something that's a little bit more sleek and modern looking. And maybe the multiple for these guys will go up a little bit because they won't be encumbered by these declining businesses, which Wall Street hates. The number two priority for Disney is probably to just get better movies. I mean, they've just oh, been well, in such a yeah. rut recently with their content, which has always been the... Which is what Iger was overseeing, by the way. Uh, which is know, what Iger was overseeing, yes. Uh, ironically. Of course, the writer and the actor strike needs to end in well, order right. to I move mean, forward with new content on that, on yeah, that front. That's certainly a job job number one right now, yeah. Yes, yeah, so they're a little stuck on that one right now. But uh, yeah, the, I would say those are their priorities. And then, of course, you know, as I reported in the story, they do want to name a new successor by early 2025. That's not that far away at this point. So that's got to be high on the priority list too. All right. Uh, you get your last prediction, Niners versus Rams on Sunday. Niners getting eight points. What do you got, Alex? I certainly think the Niners will win. I, I Again, I, I'm not great with the spread. <laughs> um, but like, you know, if I had to guess, like I think the Niners will win by more than two touchdowns. All right, you go to make your bet on a ESPN bet. Right. 
Exactly. Uh, you can all go check out Alex's piece. I highly recommend you, you do over at uh, CNBC.com. I'm, I'm sure it's also pinned to your Twitter account, Alex. Is that probably accurate? That's accurate. Yes. Uh, you are uh, Sherman4949? 4949. Yep. All right. Find him on Twitter. You can always connect with me on LinkedIn. I am Sean McNulty or on Twitter at uh, the Sean Mac. Sean spelled the right way. Alex, good to see you. Thanks again uh, for joining. Always a pleasure, Sean. Thank you. Really appreciate it. Thank you all for listening and I'll see you next time.